0: Welcome to the More Than a Pastor Show with Rich Avery. If you're tired of feeling stuck, broke, or unfulfilled in your life and ministry, you're in the right place. This show is about helping you reimagine your calling so you can enjoy the life, impact, and income you were made for. And now, your host, marathon runner, in and out burger lover, and a guy who's more than a pastor, Rich Avery. Hey, welcome to More Than a Pastor. My name is Rich Avery. I'm a pastor and coach dedicated to helping you provide for your family what your ministry income can't. Stick around and I'll show you how to turn your ministry know-how into sustainable income through a business or side hustle you love so you can serve God and provide for your family no matter what. I'm really glad you took the time to join me today. If you're new to the show, You can learn more about me, get the show notes for today's episode, and join our private Facebook group where we discuss each episode over at our website, morethanapastor.com slash 17, and that's for episode 17. Well, we're continuing our series on why I think the future of the church in America is co-vocational, and we're exploring several cultural, social, and economic trends that I believe will lead to churches getting smaller and many full-time pastors becoming co-vocational. And why now I think is the time for pastors like you and me to figure out how we can leverage our ministry skills into a secondary income source so we can serve God and provide for our families no matter what. Last time, we talked about how doubt, dogmatism, and deconstruction are shaping the future of the church in America. And today, we're exploring pandemics, church economics, and the co-vocational future of the church. But first, have you been thinking about creating extra income outside the church and wondering if starting a business is right for you? Well, I've got a free resource to help you figure that out. And it's aptly called, How to Know if Starting Your Own Business is Right for You. In it, I share the top 12 signs that you just might be ready to start your own business. And I share what I think are the three most important things every pastor needs to have in order to launch and grow a successful and profitable business. You can download your free copy today at morethanapastor.com biz. That's com slash B-I-Z. So can you remember back to March 15 of 2020, the day the United States and the world began to shut down or lockdown? You know, remembering back, it was just 15 days to slow the spread or 15 days to flatten the curve. Well, we all know how that turned out, didn't we? Those 15 days turned into lockdowns and mandates and protocols that just kept getting extended month after month after month in many places, especially where I lived in Michigan. We thought COVID-19 restrictions would never end. And so many pastors and churches at that time, back in March of 2020, struggled to pivot to online worship to keep their congregations connected and their churches afloat when they couldn't meet for in-person worship. I'm not sure how it was for you and your church at that time, but for many, there was an air of expectation that hopefully by the fall of 2020, things can get a lot better, especially as more churches were able to open to in-person worship at that time. But the pandemic kept rolling along, didn't it? And in many states, so did the lockdowns, the mandates, and the protocols. And for churches that did open their doors, so many people still continued to stay home and stay safe. Well, our church hosted drive-in services uh, each Sunday during the summer of 2020, and we had a great response to them. I mean, tons of people came out, and there was a sense of excitement and fun and fellowship albeit from a six-foot distance. But on that first weekend in November, when we came back inside, because we're in Michigan and it gets pretty cold into October and November and beyond. So that first weekend in November, we came back inside for our in-person services on location. And that summer momentum that we had built up really tapered off. And our in-person attendance was maybe 20% what it had been, pre-pandemic, although we continued to stream our services online as well. Then we all anticipated Christmas of 2020, hoping to see more people coming back. And then New Year's Eve came, and there was this great anticipation that the new year of 2021 was going to be so much better than 2020. Hopefully the pandemic will come to an end and church attendance and giving can get back to normal. But for many churches, it didn't. That was not the case. And then there was the anticipation that we'd have bigger crowds on Easter Sunday of 2021. And some churches were able to see a bump. They were able to see more people come back, but still, so many churches struggled. At our church, I think we got up to around maybe 40% of what we were pre pandemic. And then came the summer of 2021 and then the fall, and we hoped that everyone who had been staying away for the last year, year and a half, would finally be able to come back in person. And yet still, for many churches, their numbers were maybe half what they had been before the pandemic. And then Christmas of 2021 came in another New Year's Eve, and again, we all had great anticipation that finally, in 2022, this would be the year. This would be the moment when we'd see everyone coming back to our churches, and we'd see our giving bounce back as well. And for Easter of 2022, some churches did see a nice bounce in attendance, but still, from what I'm hearing, a lot of churches are still half, maybe two-thirds, what they had been before the pandemic. And now, instead of 2022— being a promised land flowing with milk and honey, what do we have this year? We have geopolitical instability caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We've got rising inflation in the U.S. that's resulting in skyrocketing prices, like prices going up 10, 15 percent on food and utilities and other necessities. Prices going up 50 percent on fuel Housing prices becoming unaffordable for many families and just a general growing economic uncertainty, sparking fears of a recession that leave many of us feeling like we're just still wandering in the wilderness. So my question today is, what if the comeback we've been hoping for and praying for over these last two years never happens? and the declining attendance and giving patterns that so many churches are experiencing won't ever get better for your church. And right now we've got this triple whammy going of, first, we've got these worship and giving patterns that were disrupted by the pandemic. And second, we've got this serious economic instability that's affecting every sector of our economy and making everything cost more. And then third, there's this eroding trust in the traditional institutional evangelical church by millennials and Gen Z in particular, which I've been describing over the last five episodes in this series. And as I've said in each of these episodes, I don't believe that these social, economic, and cultural, and political issues are pointing to an end to the church in America because I firmly believe that Jesus is still working out his redemptive purpose for his church in the world. His church is still his bride. But I wonder, maybe, is this the beginning of the end of the church as we've known it in America over the last 75 to 100 years? And maybe the way that our churches are looking um, right now is the way they're going to be looking three to five years from now. Maybe the way our churches looked three to five years ago won't be the same that we'll ever see again. Maybe what we have now is what we're going to have in the future. Or what if, what if it gets worse? You know, it's the job of every leader to define reality. And for many of us, we're faced with the prospect that the reality we've had two years into the pandemic so far is the reality we're going to have for the next two years or even longer. Yes, it's possible things can still get better. And I know for some churches that it has gotten better. Maybe you are in one of those churches. But if, if you're not, I ask you, have you defined the reality of where you're at right now in your church? And if not, is it time that you do that now? Maybe you need to accept that you're no longer a church of 100 and you need to adjust to being the church of 50 that you are right now. Or maybe you're no longer 250 and you need to adjust to the 175 that you have now. Or maybe you were a 1,000 before the pandemic and now only maybe five or 600 have come back after COVID, and so that's your new reality. Perhaps it's time for every pastor and church to accept where they're at right now, and then begin to envision new realities of what the church needs to look like, how we need to help people engage with our church, how we need to change how our churches are funded, how our facilities are used, how pastors are paid as a result of this new reality. Maybe we need to adjust to a new reality that many churches will continue to struggle financially, Some will be forced to close. Others will need to make some significant changes in order to survive. And you know, when church budgets need to be cut, often the biggest place that we look to make the cuts is staffing and salaries. So, what if you've been a full time pastor all your ministry and your church uh, board comes to the point where they can no longer pay you to be full time? Do you know what you would do in order to provide for your family? Larger churches may fare better than smaller ones in some ways. Although I've got a friend who serves in a large church and um, they just had to make some serious financial cuts like immediately. And her position was terminated uh, right then on the spot. They discovered they had to make cuts, had to make them right now. And she was one of the cuts, unfortunately, that had to be made. But I believe that there are things that every church of every size can do to not just survive but to thrive in these uncertain times. And so today I'd like to share five financial realities that I believe will impact church finances and giving in 2022. And I also want to give you eight ways that pastors and churches can thrive financially now and in the years to come. So first, here are the five financial realities that will impact church finances and giving in 2022. And again, I know there will always be exceptions, but I think these are the general trends that I see happening in church finances this year. Number one, church engagement declines 30 to 50 percent. You know, many churches are reporting Seeing about half the people coming back that they had pre-pandemic, and that's counting in-person worship and those watching online. We do know that many church goers are engaging in church less frequently than before, and some have stopped uh, participating altogether. But I think over the over, over the board, uh, across the board, uh, so many churches are going to continue to see engagement decline and i'm 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 saying 30 to 50%. Number 2, churches are going to receive more income from less people. You know, some churches who have experienced significant declines in attendance have been surprised to not see as much of a decline in their giving. And that's for one simple reason because they're receiving more pe- they're receiving more income from fewer people across the board the number of giving units is declining but right now many of those who are giving are giving more now we're not sure how long that's going to continue but that's certainly been a blessing for many churches to see their giving continue to be steady or at least not be as bad as there is the decline of their attendance but can that stay happening that way forever probably not so I think more, Many churches are going to experience more income from less people, at least for now. Number three, the generational funding gap will widen. You know, it's been well documented that the millennial and Gen Z generations are just less trusting of institutions like the church, and their decreasing engagement will certainly lead to a serious generational funding and leadership gap for many churches. We're just going to be missing so many from that generation. And so we'll have giving at a certain level from the boomers, uh, giving at another level from, from the Gen Xers like myself. And then what's happening with the millennials and Gen Z, the giving and the engagement is going down and down. That's going to create a serious gap, funding gap and leadership gap for many churches going forward. Number four, inflation costs the average household $6,000 $6,000 this year. Uh, in just the last few weeks, economists from Bloomberg reported that rising inflation will cost U.S. households nearly 6000 more this year just to cover the basic household expenses. Everything is becoming more expensive. And this will certainly impact churches in several different ways. And uh, here are three. First, just as people are experiencing increasing costs for food or fuel or supplies and other expenses, churches will as well. So if you've already set your budget for this year of what you're going to be spending, you can count on it being 6000 more or maybe even more than that. If the average household is 6000 how much more will that impact your church for things you've budgeted, regular expenses like your utilities, your fuel for your vehicles, food for events, things like that. It'll impact uh, churches just like it impacts families, maybe even more. But pastor, listen to this. Number two, that also means if every household is experiencing a $6,000 shortfall in their net income because of everything costing more, that means your salary, staff salaries are automatically worth 6000 less than they were last year. I think this means that many churches should consider cost of living increases or raises for their staff, but many will not be in a position to do that. So what would you do if you're facing a $6,000 gap in your income? That's 500 a month. Can you survive on that? Do you need to look at other ways to create income outside of your church to, to meet that need, to fill that gap? We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But number three congregants will have less disposable income to give from. And I know that as pastors, we encourage people to give a tithe from their gross, regardless of what else may be happening in a person's life. You want to give out of your abundance of what God has given you, you want to give from your gross. But you and I know that the reality is that there are so many uh, givers in our churches that aren't mature givers, and, and they're not just going to give out of an abundance of their heart. A lot of people just give first based on what they have left over. And so if there's less or nothing left over, then that's less or nothing for the church. So I think this is going to be a significant impact for churches as, as everyone in their congregation is experiencing rising costs and then their income effectually is reduced by 6000 per year or per, per household. I think that has to impact giving in churches. So that's all I'm going to say about that for now. So point number five, uh, well, first of all, again, number one was engagement declining 30 to 50 percent. Number two, churches will be getting more income from less people. Number three, that generational funding gap is going to widen. Number four, what we just talked about, inflation costing the average household 6000 more per year. Number five, fears of recession will affect financial decisions. Right now, economists are mixed on whether the U.S. is headed for a recession in 2022. But a couple of recent surveys, one by CNBC, and another by Allianz Life Insurance Company said that about 80% of Americans are worried or concerned about recession because of the war in Ukraine, because of the rising expenses, because of fuel and other things going up. 80% of Americans are concerned about recession. And when people are concerned, when, they, when their feelings point to a recession, their actions uh, respond to that. And so these feelings, I think, will have an impact on churches, not only in 2022, but also in 2023 and beyond. Whether we see a recession or not, people are feeling that it's coming, and so they are preparing, they're making adjustments, and that's definitely going to impact churches. So look, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, and just tell you about all the ways I think uh, your church is going to struggle financially in the foreseeable future. I'd love to get on the solution side of things and and take a look at eight ways that you, as a pastor and your church, can not just survive but even thrive in the face of these financial challenges. So here are eight ways. That pastors and churches can thrive financially in 2022. Number one, equip your congregation and your community to be able to adapt and thrive. Look at the needs in your community right now and see how you as a church can pivot or adapt to help speak to those needs or meet those needs. Years ago, uh, back in 2014, uh, at our church, uh, we had huge need in our community. There were way more... um, People looking for work than there were jobs available, and so we began hosting job fairs at our church uh, every month, and we'd have fifty businesses, fifty different employers coming to um, to try to hire people, and it was a huge opportunity for us. Opened up some wonderful doors, helped us to meet some needs, and got us a lot of awareness in the community because we were there to help people. So I'm not sure right now, it seems like there's way more jobs than there are people looking, but I just use that as an example. But if you've got people right now that are experiencing a 6,000 decline in their net income because of inflation, what what about hosting a side hustle club and teaching entrepreneurship classes to help people, even including yourself, to start a side hustle or a business to help meet that $6,000 gap caused by inflation? Maybe now is a great time if you haven't done it or done it in a while to host uh, money management classes or uh, other opportunities for you to look for tangible ways that you can help meet needs uh, of your church family and people in your community. Doing things like this, it shows that you're engaged in the community and that you're not tone deaf to the needs affecting everyone around you. I mean, if we're just asking people for more income, ask I should say, if we're, if we're continuing to ask people to give and we're not recognizing the real struggle that families are facing and not doing something to help address that, I think people are going to say that the church is missing an opportunity here. They're not paying attention to what's happening. So here's a neat opportunity for you to help equip your congregation and community to adapt and thrive during this challenging time. My point for number two is to encourage cause-based giving. I said this earlier, but new and immature givers, they're not often motivated just to give generously 10% or more uh, because the Bible tells us that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. We can say that over and over every week, but not everyone is motivated by that. But I've noticed, maybe you have too, that people today, especially millennials and Gen Z, they're really motivated to give to people and causes that they're passionate about. And you can see people raising money on social media for different causes. Some There's a way you can, like if you're on Facebook, you can... Um, you can, what what do they call it? Um, like, like sponsor your birthday or give away your birthday. So you can invite people on your birthday on Facebook to give to a certain cause that you care about. And so some people do that. Or uh, at our church, we have raised money for clean water projects with groups like World Vision. And so uh, through like running a marathon or a half marathon, which I've done several times. And so... Um, With something like that, people get their own social media, like fundraising page from World Vision, and then they can share it on their Facebook page and invite people to give. Hey, help me out. I'm I'm trying to raise $50 uh, to provide clean water for one person, and I want to help 100 people or I want to help 10 people or whatever it might be. So people are much more interested today in giving to people and causes that they care about, not just giving to the church because they should. And so, look for ways that you can tap into that passion that people have now here's an interesting way that some churches have begun to tap into this in a i would say indirect way uh there's some Some churches invite their first time givers to um to share how they'd like a donation to be made on their behalf from the church, so a church would say, "Hey, uh, to all the first-time givers, like on, on the on their communication or welcome card, or or if they have a check in on their app, uh, if you're a first-time visitor, we're glad that you're here. We'd love to make a donation on your behalf to one of these three charities that we partner with. There's there's the soup kitchen, there's the clothing closet, and there's the homeless shelter, or whatever it might be. Here's these three causes, and they invite the guest." The first time visitor to select which cause would they like the church to give to? And then the church makes that donation on their behalf, follows up with the guest. Thank you again so much for visiting. We're so glad you were here. Man, we donated $10 on your behalf or $5, whatever it is, to such and such a charity. And uh, here we just want to share with you how we are partnering with them and how your giving uh, through this has made a difference. So it just begins to help make a connection with first time guests that you Care about the community, and you're creative about ways that people can give. And, you know, again, you take a step back. You're budgeting for this. You're guessing how many first-time guests you're going to have, and and you're like building this into your outreach or missions budget. But it's just a cool way to allow people to direct some of the giving with their um, – Uh, you know, with with direct some of their dollars and how their gift is given. And uh, and in this case, the people aren't giving directly, but in an indirect way. So look for opportunities like that, that help people um, be able to give to a cause or a passion that they care about. Number three, I would encourage you to nurture your givers, especially your new ones. Look for some unique and personal ways to celebrate and thank those who give to your church. I'd encourage you to start thinking more like a charity or a university. These uh, organizations, they often have different levels of giving, and they offer different uh, levels of appreciation or swag or or benefits based on that. And this might seem foreign to you as a pastor and to your church, but again, people love being a part of a, a cause. They They love uh, being a part of like a club or an organization that's making a difference locally or globally. And so if you can nurture people in that way and offer some ways that they can give, this is often great for first-time givers uh, to invite them to give first to a cause instead of just like giving to the general offering. Uh, Sometimes people do that for their Easter offering or their Christmas Eve offering. Give toward our outreach or give toward our benevolence. And so they're inviting first-time givers or guests to give, not for the church's benefit, but for the community or the world's benefit. But think about some cool ways. What if you had some awesome t-shirts that promoted the work your church is doing in the community or world, or some often sweatshirts or things like that? Not everyone's motivated by that, but especially, I think, the younger generations would would, would really uh, gravitate towards something like that. So just ask people, if there was a way we were going to do something that was cause-related or help to nurture givers through some kind of a club or some different levels, what would be meaningful for them? And I think this would be a cool uh, way just to engender more support for your church, but beyond that it's all about relationships. And so as you have new donors coming on board, or if you're trying to nurture younger donors and givers, there's nothing like making a personal connection, not just from the pulpit every week, but personally, uh, through letters, through emails, through personal one-on-one connections to encourage people to give and to nurture that relationship. Because really, again, the younger generations, for them, so much of it is about relationship. They give, they channel their money toward people And causes that they're passionate about. So this is kind of a theme. Uh, Number four is to go all in to engage with the younger generations. I've said it, uh, younger people are more participatory in causes that they care about. In other words, they also want to be in on the decisions on how money is spent and how giving decisions are made. So look for ways if you're not already having younger people on your board or on an advisory board or on the missions or outreach team look for ways that you can do that to engender younger people being involved in the decision making that's much more important for them than other generations they want to be involved now not just don't just ask me to give give me an opportunity to help help some have some leadership and be able to help shape the giving and what we're doing locally And globally. So younger people are much more cause driven. And so look for ways you can engage them in a cause. Uh, Another idea, what if you started like a giving club for younger people, maybe for the millennials or Gen Z. maybe you start a giving club for the youth as well. Look for ways to nurture, to go all in, to engage those younger people and to nurture relationships with them. Number five, nurture your senior saints through estate planning. You know there are so many uh, older adults in our churches who have been faithful in giving when they had regular income, but now if they're retired, many of them don't have a regular stream of income. It's from their retirement, maybe. Um, some of them may be working, but for many, they're not. They don't have cash flow right now, so they're they're cash poor, but they're asset rich. I'll say it again: they're cash poor, but they're asset rich. And they may not realize that even though they don't have enough, uh, as much cash as they would like to give, they've got assets that they can give to the church now or in the future that could be a huge benefit for the church. So here are just a few ways. Um, They can give gifts of appreciated assets like stocks or bonds or annuities or even Bitcoin or property or even vehicles to the church or they could bequeath money to the church in their will. So if you haven't done anything with estate planning in a while, helping people uh, learn about the options of of ways that they can give through their estate to the church uh, or helping them create a will, that would, again, invite them the opportunity, give them the opportunity to consider giving to the church when they pass. Those are some cool opportunities, not only to develop these relationships, but to help with uh, helping the seniors with something that's very practical and meaningful for them. So right now, uh, we're talking about eight ways pastors and churches can thrive financially in 2022. The first one was to equip your congregation and community to adapt and thrive. Number two was to encourage cause-based giving. Number three, nurture your givers, especially new ones. Number four, go all in to engage the younger generations. The last one we talked about, number five, nurture your senior saints through estate planning. Number six is to explore alternative sources of revenue. You know, now is the time for churches to look at ways to, They can repurpose underutilized space in your building and also land on your property. Consider opportunities you might have to rent out space to social service agencies or even businesses in your community. Consider ways you might launch a preschool if that could be a money maker for you, or a coffee shop, a fitness center a playland, a laundromat, a food co-op. These are just a few of the ways churches have uh, looked for opportunities to generate income for, for their church outside of traditional tithes and offerings. Or what about creating a space for business startups, like a business incubator type space? Some churches develop senior citizen housing or housing for people with low income, This is something I didn't really realize was an opportunity for churches until recently, uh, creating, uh, or I should say, opening up storage units in, in our community, you can't uh, go like a month without finding a new storage unit location being developed. I don't know where people are getting the stuff they got to store and why that's booming so much, but there are just dozens of new storage unit places. I'm not sure if that's a need in your community, but that's a pretty low-cost way to generate revenue for a church, low low amount of effort and a good way to earn some money. So that was number six, explore alternative Sources of revenue. Number seven: Act like you're a church plant. Uh, last fall, I participated in a church multiplication boot camp, so that I could be better equipped to coach church planners who went through this boot camp. So I can mentor and coach them as they are developing and growing their churches or uh, their their fresh expressions, whatever church looks like for them. Some are more traditional; some certainly non traditional type churches. And there was one piece of advice that that was shared that uh, really stuck with me, and it really made a big impact on me. And and I thought, boy, I wish I would have known this in 2013 when I launched our church's first multi-site campus location. Here's this uh, nugget of wisdom. If at any time you feel stuck in the life cycle of your church and you're not sure what to do next just start over back at the beginning. Now, it doesn't mean you have to like officially start over with a new church. No, what it means is just just go back to the things you did back when you were just trying to start your church. And of course, it all begins with relationships, right? So if you're stuck and you don't know what to do, just double down again, go back and double down on the relationships you need to develop with key people, in your church with whatever kind of like a like a start team or launch team or support team you might have had at that time, just go ahead and create that again. Ask people to be on a team or on, on the journey with you to help revitalize your church if you feel that you're in a place where you're stuck right now. Or think about uh, as you're beginning a new church, uh, there's also the fundraising component. You're inviting people to join as a financial partner. You're making specific asks for gifts uh, for people to come on board. Maybe, you know, can you support us for a year at this level? Can you support us for two years at this amount each month to help us get it going? So go back to those sorts of things with people in your church family or maybe even in your community. Just say, here's the vision. But it really begins with having a clear vision and a mission for what you want to accomplish with your church. So if you feel stuck in the life cycle of your church, you're not sure what to do next, go back to those basics of doubling down on relationships and and in regular being in regular connections with people and and having like core teams where people are coming together for fellowship and worship and and, and get back to making strategic asks of people to invest their time and money to um, be a, a part of your church also when you're a church plant, You're looking for unique ways to engage your community. You're looking for gaps that you can help fill. You're looking for unique ways that you can help uh, partner and and bring people from your church to um, make an impact in your community. So that's another great way just to start over doing those sorts of things, communications with the mayor or police chief or other people in your community, in, in your schools, with social service agencies. What are some ways your church can go deeper? to help make a difference in relationships inside and outside your church. You know, these are opportunities just to be more creative, to have more fun. And these things, I think, are going to help you to get unstuck and moving forward to build more momentum. And these things will help grow more ownership and leadership in your congregation versus so much of it being done by the staff. And I think that's a huge place where pastors and churches get stuck in their, in their life cycle because when you're starting out, The pastor cannot do it all. Often the pastors are co-vocational or bivocational. And so the church, the pastor has to lean in and develop teams and people that can do just about everything. But as the church grows and develops and more staff come on board, or the pastor is more full-time, and then all of a sudden the pastor or the staff are doing just about everything, and there's less opportunities for others to use their gifts and talents. So here's a unique way, uh, if you're starting over, so to speak, to to grow ownership and leadership in your congregation instead of them being so dependent upon the staff. And I think a lot of people will just be dying for an opportunity to use their gifts and talents to help make a difference, to help your church continue to to grow, to get unstuck in moving forward to accomplish the mission the Lord has for you. Number eight, the last one here, is to begin the shift to co-vocational ministry. Now I know this is not for everyone, and it might not be right for you or your church. But let me ask you, if you've ever had a vision or something else that you've uh, wanted to do, but you thought your only option to do that was to, to leave your church in order to do that, I want to encourage you that you don't have to do that. That's not your only option. A lot of times as pastors, we get in a rut ourselves or we feel stuck in some way. Maybe we're tired of of the stress we're tired of so much depending upon us, and we have some desire, we have a dream or vision for something we want to do in the future, maybe in our community, maybe it's maybe it's something to make a bigger difference, like through a, a charity, or maybe it's a, a business we've wondered if, if we should start to just provide more income for our family. So we've got a vision of something we want to do, but we often think we have to leave the church in order to do that. But I'm here to say that here's an opportunity for you to take some leadership and say, you know what? I'm committed to my church. I don't want to quit it, but I feel like God's given me other gifts and talents or dreams or passions that I need to be using if I want to be fully faithful to all that he wants me to do. You have an opportunity to have that conversation with your church and and to try to help create some opportunities for you to be able to do that and to help other pastors find that freedom as well. Here's an opportunity for you to change the mindset. A lot of churches have this mindset that the pastor, if they're full-time, have to be full-time. They can't work anything outside the church that they they're, they're they're seen as like less committed if they had a desire or a vision to do that. But here's an opportunity for you to help your church to change and pivot. And I think you have to. I think churches have to get away from this mindset that the pastor cannot do anything else outside the church. Because to be able to use your gifts and talents outside the church, it helps pastors to be more creative. It gives you an awesome outlet to connect to the community in ways you couldn't otherwise. It gives you an opportunity to help use your gifts and talents in new ways to serve more people. It gives you an opportunity to create more income for your family so you're not as dependent upon the church for your finances. So, But a lot of times churches and pastors have objections. They say, well, I can't find the time to do that. But let me ask you, what if, what if you could create a viable business that provides more income for your family, uses your gifts and talents to serve others in just like 10, 15 hours a week? Can you come up with that? I know a lot of pastors say, well, I, I take 20 hours a week to prepare my sermons. I have to do that. I'm committed to doing that. Okay, but what if for a season you did uh, 15 hours? Or what if you did 10 hours? Could your sermon be 90% as good? if it was just prepared in 10 hours or 15 hours? Or think about the number of meetings that you have. Is there a way you can simplify that so you have fewer meetings? How much time would that free up? Or what if it wasn't just you preaching all the time? What if you had a teaching team and you invited others in your community or in your church family or you developed other leaders if you're not already doing that? What if you just preached um, 40 weekends a year or 36 weekends a year and you had more opportunity to free up time to do other things. Again, that helps you um, to grow other leaders and to help the church to be not solely dependent upon you. If you're not sure, like, do I have the skills? Do I have what it takes to launch my own business? Um, that's no problem because I've got a free resource that I'd love to put in your hands. It's a it's an assessment guide. You can read it and see if, if starting a business is right for you. It's called How to Know if starting a business is right for you, in it I share the top 12 signs that you might be ready to start your own business. And I share the three most important things that every pastor needs to have in order to launch and grow a successful or profitable business. You can download yours today at morethanapastor.com slash biz. That's morethanapastor.com slash B-I-Z. So again, let me go over those um, eight ways pastors and churches can thrive financially in 2022. Number one, you can equip your congregation and community to adapt and thrive. Number two, you can encourage cause-based giving. Number three, nurture your givers, especially the new ones. Number four, go all in to engage the younger generations. Number five, nurture your senior saints through estate planning. Number six, explore alternative sources of revenue. Number seven, act like you're a church plant. And number eight, Begin the shift to co-vocational ministry. I think now is the time, more than ever before, for churches to get more creative. The way we've done things in the past is not the way we're going to be doing things in the future. The way church looked three to five years ago before the pandemic is probably not the way the church in America will ever look again. So what are you doing to help your church adapt and thrive in these changing times? And what are you doing to help yourself to prepare, to uh, adapt, to be able to thrive, to be able to provide for your family? no matter what happens financially, how are you going to provide uh, for this $6,000 gap right now because of inflation? I just want to encourage you, Pastor, maybe now is an awesome time for you to think about how to leverage your ministry skills into the marketplace. I'd love to help you be able to do that. Get my free guide again, morethanapastor.com slash biz. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Pastor. I really want to say thanks again for taking the time to join me, not just for this episode, but for this entire series. And if you've missed any, maybe this is your first episode today, just go back the last five episodes and and catch this whole series on why I think the future of the church is co-vocational. And I'd love to get your feedback on this episode or, or others. Love for you to tell me where you think I'm wrong. And I'd love to know what resonated with you, what questions have come up in your mind from what I've shared today or in the future episodes. And I want to get in the habit of being able to debate or not debate, but to discuss uh, each episode on our Facebook page. It's a private Facebook group called uh, For the More Than a Pastor uh, private community. And you can get the link for that over on my website. Uh, You can go to morethanapastor.com slash 17. That's where you'll find the notes for this episode, episode 17. And you'll find the link to our private Facebook group for pastors. I'd love for you to click and join that. And then let's uh, discuss and get your feedback, share your thoughts. That would be a blessing to me. And until next time, remember that you are more than a pastor. Saying yes to God's call doesn't mean you have to say yes to feeling stuck, broke, or unfulfilled in your life and ministry. Let's work together to help you create the life, impact, and income that you were made for.